You're listening to audio from Kingsway Christian Church. If you'd like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit kingswaychurch.org. No other king could vanquish the war horse or silence the warrior's rage while riding the lowly back of a donkey. No other king could break the dominion of darkness, the tyranny of evil, with a reign of grace and a kingdom of peace. No other king could give his life for the redemption of rebels, his wealth to welcome the outcast. Jesus is that king, the king of glory, son of the living God. Not just another king, not just another prophet, just another teacher. He was the one the world had been waiting for. The one to deliver us from captivity. The son of David and Abraham's chosen seed. He is the goal of the Mosaic law. Yahweh in the flesh. He is the one to establish God's reign and rule. To heal the sick. Give sight to the blind. Freedom to the prisoners. And proclaim good news to the poor. This Jesus was the creator come to earth. And the beginning of a new creation. He embodied the covenant, fulfilled the commandments, and reversed the curse. This Jesus is the Christ that God spoke of to the serpent, the one prefigured to Noah in the flood, the one promised to Abraham, the one guaranteed to Moses before he died, the one promised to David during his reign, the one revealed to Isaiah as a suffering servant, the one predicted through the prophets and prepared for through John the Baptist.
Happy Easter, Kingsway. We are so glad that you guys have chosen to spend your morning with us celebrating our risen King, Jesus. The hope, the life that we find in him because of that. Man, it's an awesome opportunity for us to be able to remember the joy, the peace, the hope, the love that comes from that sacrifice, that he didn't stay in the grave, that he is risen. We get life because of that as well. Let's sing and lift him up here today. Saturday was silent, and surely it was through. But since when has impossible ever stopped you? Friday's disappointment is Sunday's empty tomb. Since when has impossible ever stopped you? Dry bones rattling. This is the praise that a dead man walk again. Open the grave, I'm coming out. I'm gonna live, gonna live again. This is the sound of dry bones rattling.
Easter King's way. Have a seat, have a seat. If you can sit after that. Oh my wow, gosh, I love getting let's pumped. Go. I love it. <laughs> it is the best. Well, my name's Danielle. I'm on the communications team here and I love co-hosting with my friend Andy. Yeah, so happy to be here. Connections Pastor and we are so glad you've joined us. Whether you're watching at home, online, on Facebook, on Church Online, on YouTube, so many options are so right here in the options. room. So many options. You know, t- technology is a great gift that God has given us to stay connected with each other and, and with him, it's pretty awesome. And I, I love Easter. Easter has a special place for me and my family. Nine years ago, Chris and I decided, Chris is my husband, to come to Kingsway, try it out. Because why not? Why on not Easter? One of the busiest, most packed holidays ever. We were really intimidated because it was packed. We didn't sit every other row, right? This is all back when you sat right next to the person, right? Elbows. And uh, But it was scary, it was intimidating, but it was life-changing for us. We started to just take one step and take a step and get plugged in. And there is so much community. There is so much love here with the people. We got involved in a group and it's amazing. I mean, life is hard. Sometimes it's parenting is hard. Sometimes marriage is hard, right? Like you go, why? Why are we married? I don't, we don't like each other right now, right? So it's, it's been amazing. And you get to talk to people about connecting and finding their place all the time, Andy. Life is so much better together. And we experienced that just a month ago. My son had an emergency appendectomy and just our groups came around side of us and texted us and brought us food and prayed for us. This church is home. This church is family. And so maybe you're looking for something like that. You're looking for community. You need someone to walk along this path with you. And we would love to hear your story and to help connect you. We would, and you can, you can find out what's next for you. You can text the word CONNECT. You see that on your screen to that number, 317-565-4911. You can do that in the room. You can do that online, and it can be any time, any day of the week. We will get that message, and someone typically from Andy's team, if not himself, will reach out and find how you can plug in. And then you can also learn about different events happening around here. There's a lot that happens at Kingsway, different ways for you to plug in. You can download our app, Kingsway Christian Church. Um, if you have a smartphone, if not, you can visit the website, kingswaychurch.org, and find out some of the things that are going on. There's something for everybody, ladies. This Saturday is yep. If Gathering. It's not going to be a big 150-person gathering like last year was. Right. It's going to be small communities, and yes. you're hosting one here. I am. I'm actually going to host one right here in one of our smaller rooms. So, ladies, if, if you have an opportunity this coming Saturday, we know it's last minute, but we thought it would be a great opportunity just to keep the registration open Spring break has been busy for all of us and we didn't always make plans in advance, right? So sign up, it'll be a great chance to connect with each other, connect with God. And then we've got something for kids and, and the men coming up in, the, in a few months. Great place for kids to connect. Yep. We have something for all kids except babies. <laughs> We're not doing a baby camp this year. If Isn't you that feel... called grandma's house? <laughs> <laughs> Might be a little messy. Could be. So kids, elementary, middle school, High school, we have something for each one of those age brackets. Yeah. Feel free to check out the, uh, the app for that. Also, we're so excited for Wiffle Grill Part 2, guys. Samuel LaCourt will defend his Grill Master title with the best ribs you'll ever taste. And it'll be the first Friday in June. We're going to camp yes. out, too, out here on the lawn. It's going to be awesome. So yeah. stay connected. There's ways to get involved and feel like you're part of the family here. We would love for you to, to just know those things. And so next, we're going to transition into communion. So if you haven't had a chance to grab that out in the lobby, if you're in the room or at home, go ahead and grab that cracker and some juice. And Andy is going to walk us through what communion means. And it's so special when you think about Easter and what was happening the days leading up to Easter Sunday. And uh, Andy's going to walk us through some of that right now. It's so good. Pastor Matt will be walking us through Luke chapter 24. So if you have a Bible, feel free to pull that out. Otherwise, just... Just listen to this story. It's an amazing story that we read in Luke. In verse one, it says, but very early Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices they'd prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. We all would, wouldn't we? Then the men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who's alive? He isn't here. He's risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee, that the son of man must be betrayed in the hands of sinful men and be crucified. And then he would rise again on the third day. On Friday, we celebrated that being given to sinful men. And we were forgiven for our sins. If we're followers of Jesus, we've accepted that forgiveness. And that's huge. But on Sunday, we get to celebrate life 
with Christ. He is risen and he lives in those of us that are his followers. And so now as we take the bread and remember the broken body, we remember the blood, we celebrate his sacrifice. We celebrate that we have life in Jesus. So I'm gonna pray, I'm gonna start our prayer and then hand it off to you. And you can take time with the one that is risen today. God, thank you so much for Easter. Thank you for this reminder every year that you are alive, Jesus, that you beat death. And so we don't have to be scared. We don't have to be afraid. You are with us. And so as we remember your sacrifice from Friday, we celebrate the life you give us on Sunday. is
has changed since last Easter. The world has been shaken. Life has been disrupted. What we once called normal seems like it may never return. It's been easy to be discouraged, to lose hope, to feel the foundations of our faith begin to crumble. It's hard to keep our feet planted when the ground beneath feels like shifting sand. Now more than ever, we need to stand on the truth of Easter, a day which changed our eternity, changed our world forever. Death was defeated by life. Sin was consumed by mercy. The grave was swallowed up by victory. See, even in the darkest of moments, the love of Jesus could not be stopped. His faithfulness could not be broken. And when the dust settled, Jesus, he stood alive and victorious. Today, may we remember the truth of Easter, the power of the resurrection, and the promise of eternity. Yes, the world has been shaken, but the grave it's still empty. Happy Easter, everybody. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It's so good to be here with you today. If you're visiting with us, however you got here, whether this is like your church or maybe somebody said, hey, I'll buy you lunch if you come with us. So if you came with a family member or a friend, make sure you get prime rib or steak or something really good out of this, not some of that home-cooked stuff. No, I'm just kidding. I really hope you enjoy your Easter celebrations together. If you're at home watching with us, we're really glad you're tuning in today. Welcome to Kingsway. Uh, here's my hope for today. So in the time that I get to speak with you today, what I wanna do is if you believe that Jesus Christ is the son of the living God, that he really died on Friday and he rose from the dead on Sunday, I hope to encourage your faith today. But not only that, but if you're visiting with us, whether at home or here and you're not sure, you're not convinced, but somebody talked you into coming and here you are, you got questions what I hope today is just to, I don't know, give you like a little Easter egg, so to speak, that maybe you can look into later and, and do some research and maybe just pique your curiosity to get you to study a little bit further for yourself. So that's my hope if I succeed by the end. If you are watching at home online, maybe listening to a podcast, 
you wouldn't have got the whole service. You might just be focused on just this message. So earlier in the service, Andy read to us part of Luke chapter 24, right before he set up communion. And what he told us is on Sunday, early in the morning, these ladies go to the tomb, and when they get there, the stones rolled away, and Jesus is gone, and there are two angels there. It refers to them as two men, but there are these angelic messenger beings who are there to greet them and tell them, Jesus isn't here, he rose from the dead. Now, the reason they're showing up on Sunday, Saturday is Sabbath, Passover is Friday, there's all these big things going on in the Bible related to that. You may remember all the way back in the Exodus story, the Passover story is that God God had the Israelites put the blood of a lamb over the door, and then the spirit would pass by, and death wouldn't come upon the firstborn in that house. And so the Israelites, year after year after year after year, would celebrate the Passover, and what we know is Jesus died on Passover to point to something bigger, something that's going on. And the first nugget I want to give you is that what God has done is consistently told us, generation after generation, book after book, prophet after prophet, author after author, that one day he would send his Messiah, and he'd be like this, he'd be like this. He'd be like this, he'd be like this, he'd be like this. So when Jesus showed up, you could connect these dots and go, oh, look, there he is. Now let's pick up in that conversation in Luke chapter 24, in verse six. It says this, the men, these are the angelic beings, the men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back at Galilee? That the son of man must be betrayed to the hands of sinful men? and be crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day. Okay, so what does it mean that Jesus, that's the son of man, son of man is the title he used for himself. What does it mean that Jesus must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men? Let's pause that question for a moment. We'll come back to it. And hopefully by the end, I've given you again, just a little bit, a snippet, a nugget that you could take with you to go, oh, I get that a little bit more. Let's pick up in the next verse, verse eight. Then they remembered, this is the ladies, that, that he had said this. So where did he say this? Well, if you go to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those are the four gospel accounts of the ministry and the life of Jesus. They tell us about his story. And they each tell some different points along the way where Jesus told the disciples and prepped them that this was coming. Just in the book of Luke alone, it's twice in Luke 9, Luke 13, and Luke 18. You can go look it up for yourself. In fact, it's not that far before this. There's a conversation between Jesus and the disciples, and he's once again predicting all of this. And he and Peter are kind of going back and forth. You may remember this if you've been in church. And Peter's like, man, no way, no way. And Jesus is like, get behind me, Peter. Like, this is what's going on. This is where the story is going. But they didn't understand. They didn't get it. They had no clue. They had a hard time envisioning a story where Jesus wasn't overthrowing Rome. Their king has come, and their king can make the blind see, the deaf hear, raise Lazarus from the dead already at this point. So can, is there anything that any of the Roman rulers could do? Could Caesar do anything to this guy? I mean, he could do everything. So it's just a matter of time before he goes and seizes his throne. Except that's not what was happening. Take a look now. So they, the ladies, rushed back from the tomb to tell his 11 disciples. You may have heard that there's 12 disciples right? There's actually more than 12. There's probably over 120 disciples at this point, but the 12 are the ones that Jesus specifically poured his life into to mentor. Well, why are we talking about the 11? Well, because Judas, who was one of them, betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. That's how Jesus got caught and arrested, and he went and hung himself from a tree. And so 12 minus one, no math in Bible college, clearly it's 10. (laughs) And everyone else, that's where the everyone else comes from. There's many more disciples, What had happened? It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and several other women who told the apostles what had happened. First of all, I'm not going to have a lot of time to dig into this, but a little nugget for you. So uh, in late June and early July, we're going to go through a series, how can I trust the faith? How can I know that this stuff is real? One of those little nuggets that we'll talk more about in a couple months is this, though. In the first century, women didn't have the respect that men had. In fact, in many cases, women couldn't even be tried as a witness, sorry, be used as a witness in court if you were being tried for something because their testimony wasn't considered valid or trustworthy. If you were going to build a religion that you wanted to take over the world, and if it was all about power, as many of us have been lied and told, you would never in a million years use women 
to be the first people to see Jesus' empty tomb. You would send James or Peter or John or one of those other guys. You would never send women. And he sends three women. And part of the reason you would never send the men, or part of the reason you would use men is because the men are going to need convincing, right? How many of you married people know this, right? How many wives, you've ever gone to your husband and said, yeah, blah, 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 that's not going to work. That's not a good idea. And the next thing you know, your kid falls off a bike and breaks his arm, right? You, and you think to yourself, if you would have just listened, this just happened to me, that's why I'm saying this. If you would have just listened to me, this wouldn't have happened. Well, look at the next verse. But the story sounded like nonsense to the men, so they didn't believe it. Well, surprise, surprise, surprise. This is a little bit baffling, though, because these are the same guys who did just recently see Lazarus brought back from the dead. They've seen some crazy, awesome stuff. But dead people don't just come back to life on their own. It's one thing for Jesus to be raising somebody from the dead by the power of God in him, but he died. This is it, story over. So when you are faced with an evidence that goes against your preconceived notion, what do you do next? Well, Peter did what any of us would do. However, Peter jumped up and he ran to the tomb to look. Stooping, he peered in and he saw the empty linen wrappings. Then he went home again, wondering what had happened. Why is he wondering what had happened? Well, the last time Peter's had any significant interaction with Jesus, if you remember this, Jesus predicted that Peter would betray him three times before the rooster crowed. And Peter's like, no way, not me. I will die with you. Which is why when Judas betrayed Jesus and he shows up with these soldiers to arrest Jesus, Peter grabs a sword and lops off a guy's ear. And, and Jesus, I mean, this has been a crazy moment, grabs the ear and puts it back on. He's like, Peter, that's not what we're doing here, right? You're gonna live by the sword, you're gonna die by the sword. This is not what's going on here, Peter. And Peter doesn't know what to think. So he follows Jesus at a distance. And when Jesus is in being tried, you can read about this in the book of Luke. Jesus is then getting tried and spit on and mocked and punched. And it's a terrible moment. And Peter is out in the courtyard and he keeps being approached by people. One of them is like a young girl, a servant girl. And she's like, hey, aren't you one of those guys who followed him? And Peter's like, no, I don't know him. I don't know him. Three times, I don't know him. And that third time, it says in the book of Luke that he looked up and Jesus looked over at him as if he knew and their eyes met. The last time he saw Jesus was the moment that he denied him in Jesus' greatest hour of need. So when Peter heard, he's not in the tomb. Peter had to see. And he's wondering, because he's anxious, like, what could this mean? Could it be, is it possible that the story isn't over, that what I thought was going to happen isn't what was going to happen? The writer of Hebrews, we don't know exactly who that is. He says this, and it is impossible to please God without faith. Peter had enough faith that he didn't let his worst day, his worst moment, become his defining day, his defining moment. Maybe there's still yet hope for me. In fact, the end of John, the book of John, writes about Jesus and Peter being restored to each other after this moment. If you track all the gospel stories together, Peter keeps like, he's got a chance to see him, he's got a chance to see him, and it just kind of keeps not really interacting. And finally, they get together in John chapter 21, and that's profound reconciliation moment. It's so good, it's so good. But in Luke 24... What we're told next is the very next thing to happen, there's these two disciples and they're not one of the 11 and they're going away from Jerusalem towards a town called Emmaus. One thing you should know is when you read your Bible, there's almost nothing in it that's just random. When it appears random, there's a reason and you may have to do some digging to learn the reason. I'll get to that in just a moment. But the first thing you need to know is they're running away. Why are they running away? Everybody's running away. The story's over. Jesus died apparently he's not the Messiah because the Messiah was supposed to come and set them free like Moses did originally in Egypt, like when Nehemiah rebuilt the temple. This was supposed to be the story. So these two disciples are walking along, going away from Jerusalem towards Emmaus, which is roughly 12 kilometers, maybe 10 miles, somewhere along this travel. Jesus appears with them and starts to travel with them. Now, He's not like hiding behind the trees, but he has somehow veiled himself from him, from them. And they don't recognize him. And then it looks like this. Look at verse 17. And he asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. 
So first, I mean, here they are talking and Jesus just comes up and, hey, what are you guys talking about? And they just stop and they're full of sorrow. And it says in verse 18, then one of them, Cleopas, replied, you like, and the like isn't actually in the Greek, but it sounds better. You like must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all these things that have happened here the last few days. Like, what, what, how? Like, open your cell phone, my man. Like, turn on social media. You would know, everybody knows, everybody is talking about it. Because for the last three and a half years, this guy has done amazing miracles and thousands and tens of thousands of people have gone out to see it. They knew, they believed, they had a hope, and now he's dead. How can you not know what is going on? How can you not know what we're talking about? Well, first of all, they tell us that his name is Cleopas. Do you guys know who Cleopas is? Yeah, me either. He's one of those other disciples. We don't really know much about him. Oh, he and the other guy, whatever his name is, he's real famous. Why do they tell us his name is Cleopas? Well, because in the first century, people knew who Cleopas was. And they specifically give you his name because he had an experience that you're about to hear about. And if you want to know more about it in the first century, you could have gone to ask him. Now, whether you choose to believe him or not is a completely different thing, but you could have gone to ask him. In fact, the scriptures record that Jesus appeared to over 500 people. In fact, 500 at one time after he rose from the dead. Listen, if you're a believer, you need to know this. Our entire faith is anchored on those testimonies. Without those testimonies that God has given to us, we would have no clue that Jesus could have died, rose from the dead, and be like, we don't know. But there were over 500 people who went, I saw him, and they could testify and tell you their story, and you could come and hear and listen, and people did, and that's why they stuck his name in there. Hey, you don't have to take my word for it. Go ask Cleopas. Something happened in the first century that took two disciples who were running away from Jerusalem. It took the 11 hiding in the upper room, and it made them feel emboldened. And suddenly, they're willing to testify publicly about their faith to the point where many of them are killed, crucified, stabbed with swords, or put into a coliseum where they are chased down by wild, hungry animals and killed if they would just recant their faith. And they're going, I can't recant. I saw him. I literally had a conversation. What do you want me to say? I didn't see what I saw. So then... Cleopas says, I'm assuming it's Cleopas, but our, ooh, sorry, verse, verse 19. I was about to jump ahead. Verse 19. What things, Jesus asks them, and one of them responds, the things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles. He was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. He was, this right here is what many people think about Jesus today. He was, he was a great man. He was a great prophet. He said a lot of great things. Oh, remember he said the thing about like, don't judge others? Oh, that was good. More people should say that. Remember when he said the thing about loving your neighbor in the same way you love yourself? That was good. You know, Muhammad, Buddha, oh, man, they all say things just like that. He was a great moral teacher. Jesus wasn't just a great moral teacher there. He's trying to press further, go deeper. Look at the next verse, verse 20 of these. But our leading priests our other religious leaders, they handed him over to be condemned to death and they crucified him. We had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. And they're just heartbroken. This word rescue here, so I wanna point something out real quick. This is coming from the New Living Translation. That's the translation that's like in front of you or below you. And it's a good translation. I, I like it, I use it a lot. But it's called a dynamic translation. And what that means is they took the Greek text and they're trying to bring the meaning to life. So it's not rigid and it's not literal. So say you take the New American Standard Bible. Excellent translation, very literal, sometimes hard to understand because it's literally trying to take Greek and put it into modern day English for you to read. The New Living Translation is taking a little bit more freedom and say, we're gonna try to help you get the point. And I'm really sad that they did this here because they pick the word and they put it into a different English word. The actual word here for rescue is the word redeem. Do you guys know what redeem means? Okay, I have three sons, 11, 10, and seven. And anybody ever take their kids to like Dave and Buster's? Chuck E. Cheese, anybody? 
and you go spend $1,000 to win a $3 stuffed animal. And the way that you do this is you go put credit on a card of some sort, now that everybody's doing this, because we want to teach our kids debt, and then you swipe the card so they don't have to have any responsibility, and you win points or tickets, then you cash in those points or tickets, and you go to the store, and you buy a $5 sucker. And it is amazing, right? And you're like, wow, what am I doing? I'm working hard, paying for something over here, and then turning it in and redeeming it for something over here. The word redeem literally means to, to buy out. And it actually refers to slaves whose freedom has been purchased and they were released. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, the first time you see the word redeemed in the entire Bible is in the book of Exodus chapter six. If you remember, the Israelites are slaves to Egypt. And they are under an oppressive Pharaoh who makes their work brutal and, and just unbearable. And God raises up a leader named Moses. And he goes to Moses. He says, Moses, I have seen. I have heard the cries of my people. I have seen their suffering. And I'm going to do something about it. So in Exodus 6, he says, with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, I will redeem my people. That'll preach. Remember where these uh, two disciples are going? They're going to Emmaus. Something powerful happened about 150 years before Jesus pops up on the scene. There's a family called the Maccabees. There's actually some books called 1st, 2nd Maccabees. You can read about this sometime. I think it's 1st Maccabees chapter 4. We learn a little bit about this. There's this war that's going to happen. There's this army who's gathered roughly, I think it's, uh, it's 6,000 total troops, give or take, and about 1,000 of them are heavy, heavily armed. All of them have weapons. The Israelites get word somehow that there's this attack that's coming, this sneak attack that's coming. And so the Maccabees, they grab some untrained Israelites and they go out, most of them with no weapons, with about 3,000 troops, and they whoop the bad guys, have almost no losses. The bad guys lose about half of their army. It is completely unexplainable unless God was at work in it. It's one of those things you go, I don't know, it's pretty crazy. And before all of that, Judas Maccabeus has this William Wallace moment with his troops. And here's what he says. Don't fear their numbers or be afraid when they charge. Remember how our ancestors were saved at the Red Sea when Pharaoh was pursuing them with his forces. So let's cry to heaven to see if the heavenly one will favor us and remember his covenant with our ancestors and crush this army in front of us today. Freedom! Okay, I added that part. But everybody's here. And then, and then he says, then all the Gentiles will know that there is someone who redeems and saves Israel. Do you know where that battle was fought? Emmaus. There's no accidents in scripture. It is so much deeper and more profound than you have ever realized. It is so good and so true and so powerful. But you gotta dig a little. Because see, what's happening now with these two disciples running to Emmaus, and the reason that Luke points this out to you is because the irony is they think Jesus failed them because he didn't do what they thought he should do the way he should do it. They were under the impression that just like Moses, just like the Maccabees, Jesus was gonna raise up, win some physical earthly battle and set them free and redeem them didn't understand. The same problem that existed among the Gentiles exists in Israel. The root cause of all human suffering isn't an evil tyrant president or king. And I don't care if you like this president or the last president better. The problem is sin. And the reason that Jesus had to be handed over to those who would make him suffer is because he intended to redeem us. And in that multiple hour, 10 mile, I don't know how long he walked with them journey, Jesus starts to tell this to them. Take a look at the next verse, verse 24, or sorry, verse 25. Then Jesus said to them, you foolish people. The phrase here is really like, you hard-hearted, like thick-headed, like you find it so hard to believe all the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? 
Guys, this has always been the story. You've always been trying to manipulate the story to make it about something it was never about. This has been the story all along. Then he goes on. Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. I mean, can you imagine that moment for just a minute? Like, he goes, guys, don't you remember? With Abraham. Remember, he goes to Abraham and he says, Abraham, remember, take your son, your one and only son, up in the mountain, sacrifice unto me. And Abraham finally obeys. And he goes up and he starts to sacrifice his son and God stops it because that wasn't the son that was supposed to be sacrificed. And remember Moses and the blood over the doorway and the, the spirit passes by. And remember, Israel is saved through the blood of the lamb. You remember that? Yeah, it's pointing to Jesus. And remember how you celebrate that lamb in the Passover? Yeah, you remember that. Do you remember going up on the mountain? Yes, and talking to the angel of the Lord and he passes by? Yes, do you remember that? Do you remember the suffering servant and Isaiah? Yeah, do you remember that? Do you remember, I'm going to send you a king like David. But David, he was so good, but oh, he was so sinful. And it was like, yes, but no. Do you remember Daniel? Oh, do you remember in Daniel? And he just goes through story after story and moment after moment. And the disciples are like, wow, this guy's good. They get to Emmaus. Now, if you, and, and Jesus is being coy again. And he's like, okay, I'm going to go. I'm going to keep going. You know, have a nice time. It's like, no, 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 stay with us. Eat with us. So Jesus finally does. And in the middle of the meal, he takes out the bread and he breaks it and hands it to him. And all of a sudden, the veil is torn away and they go, <gasps> now, first of all, if you're the host, you break the bread. Jesus was clearly like, guys, I'm here, real, in the flesh, eating food. I'm not a ghost. I'm not a spirit. I am alive. And I'm here. Listen, to miss out on Jesus Christ is to miss out on everything our souls will ever long for. That's why the second part of Hebrews eleven sixteen. 16, I read you the first part, says this, anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Those two disciples, Cleopas and the other guy, as they're sitting there, Jesus breaks the bread and all of a sudden Jesus disappears. You're like, well, how's that possible? He just rose from the dead. We're, gonna, we're now gonna wonder. <laughs> and there you go. They literally are looking at each other and it says, they go, didn't something in your heart come alive when he was with us? As we were walking along the road and he was telling us all those stories and you were sitting there going, oh yeah. Wasn't there something in you that leapt? Wasn't there something in you that goes, this feels right. I can't explain it. I can't put my finger out. There's part of it that rationally doesn't make sense, but there's something about it that connects with me. Listen, if that's you, I just want to suggest to you right now that God's drawing you to himself. He's opening your eyes. He's trying to help you see. He has said for thousands of years, this is what I was going to do so that if you desire to look into it, you will see for yourself. He did exactly what he said he would do over and over and over again. You could trust him. I looked up what the word redemption means, and, and I took this from another author, but the article where I got this didn't have an author's name, so I can't give him credit, which is too bad. So give me credit. And um, I'm joking, but here's, I looked up what it means to have redemption. Here's what it says. The benefits of redemption in the scriptures include eternal life, Revelation 5, forgiveness of sins, Ephesians 1, righteousness, Romans 5, freedom from the law's curse, Galatians 3, adoption into God's family, Galatians 4, deliverance from sin's bondage, Titus 2 and 1 Peter 1, peace with God, Colossians 1, and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians 6. Therefore, yeah, yeah, hang on. Therefore, to be redeemed is to be forgiven, holy, justified, free, adopted, and reconciled by God to God. Yes. And that is why Jesus had to die. But not to stay dead, but to raise from the dead. To have Jesus Christ is to have literally everything our souls will ever long for and need. I don't know where you are today, but I know you need him. And I don't want to go on any moment without giving you a chance to respond to him. Listen, at any moment, you can always go to our Connect Hub right for the service. If that feels too intimidating to you, I get it. We have a number that you could text from anywhere, any day, any time. Connect. Just text the word connect at 317-565-4911. If you're watching at home live right now, you just put that, say on Facebook, right there in the chat. We'll respond. But please don't go another moment without looking into who Jesus is and earnestly seeking him. What we're gonna do right now is we're gonna sing. And we're gonna sing a song that we've been teaching over the last month. We love it. It's called Graves in the Gardens. We've got our name for the service.
And part of the reason I wanna tell you this story is because this song is saturated with biblical imagery. It's saturated with pictures of things that have happened. Where it says you turn beauty to ashes, it's actually in the Old Testament talking about the fact that God brought good from the evil. And I know you may not know all those stories, but man, we would love to teach them to you. We would love to show them to you. If you know Jesus, just built this out like you really are thankful that he died on the cross and rose from the dead. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, come receive our praise right now. Thank you. God, Father, thank you for giving your son. Jesus, thank you for being obedient all the way to the cross. Even in your pain, you didn't cry out, make it stop. You could have called down all of heaven and made it stop, but you didn't. Holy Spirit, we thank you for living in us, giving us the power of the resurrection in us. And I pray, Father, as we go from here, may we go from here in the newness of life. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing. I've searched the world And it couldn't fill me Man's empty praise and treasures that fade Are never enough Then you came along And pulled me back together
thinking about that road to Emmaus. What was it like when Jesus was with them? What did he say? And then when they finally figured it out, the reality is we're all on a path together as well. And God is with us. And he's trying to say, here's your next step. And we're here to help you with that. So feel free to stop by the Connect Hub or come down front, talk to our Connect team. We wanna journey with you together, just like Jesus did on that road to Emmaus. We sure do. And if that's not an option for you, like Pastor Matt said, you can always text that word connect today, tomorrow, next week, whenever it is. The word connect to the number 317-565-411. We are here with you. And we can't wait to see you next week. We are kicking off a new series called Goliath Must Fall. It's based on the book written by Louis Giglio. You'll see them available out in the lobby for a donation, but it's about that story, David and Goliath. It's it's gonna be amazing. I'm reading the book about halfway through and I'm telling you guys, it's it's very, very good. You won't regret it. Can't One wait. more thing. Yeah. Ready? There, pictures. You guys, pictures. You guys look beautiful. You're all dressed up. Go get a picture of you with your family. It's Easter weekend out to the right over here at the cafe. We would love to see those pictures of you celebrating Easter weekend. Yes. Happy Easter. Yes. He is alive. Enjoy your Woo! day. Happy Easter.